Welcome to another episode of the Frosty and Perenni Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Frost. With me, as always, Coach Tony Perenni. Derek, great to be back after a, a week, uh, an unscheduled week off. Uh, it's, I'm kind of forgetting what, what do we even do in this podcast. Uh, I think we talk politics, Tony. Um, that's what I've been doing, at least for the last like 36 hours. So I'm all ready to talk about these election results. So uh, Arizona, go. Arizona. So <laughs> I had no idea how much I cared about Maricopa County. <laughs> no, that's I've the funny more, thing. <laughs> I've heard more about Maricopa County in the last 24 hours than I, I didn't even know it existed. <laughs> yeah, I, it, it gets talked about a little bit, but you know, Arizona is so rarely a battleground state that it, it's it's nobody ever talks about it. But yeah, like I, I find myself getting like all excited about, you know, what's going on in, in Maricopa County and DeKalb County in Georgia, uh, Fulton County in Georgia. Like these places I've never been to, I've never heard of outside of election time. And, and now all of a sudden I care deeply uh, what's going <laughs> on as, as we watch this. But this is this is a fascinating time for me. Uh, you know, people at work are laughing at me. I'm not I'm not real big into politics, but I love I love elections and the, you know, the psychology behind it, the results behind it. You know, well, why did, you know, has have Democrats always taken Florida and this year they didn't, uh, you know, Miami-Dade County with your with your Cuban-Americans, Venezuelan-Americans, Nicaraguan-Americans, you know, that socialist title really matters. And the Democrats didn't come out quickly and and shed that that tag and, and all of that stuff. It's fascinating to me, Tony. I absolutely love it. Yeah, at the end of the day, the election day is just great drama, right? Like it's just throw whatever channel on, bounce around from channel to channel, throw on social media because there's hot takes after hot takes after hot takes coming, regardless of which side of the aisle you're on. Uh, I feel like it's just it's a great watch. And then you throw in the fact that all these offshore gambling sites now have betting lines on it. It just makes it even more entertaining. So uh, I had a great time last night and we, we don't even have a winner yet, but no. Uh, it, it's not, not bad every four years. Yeah. I'll tell you, well, I got, I got really into it in the 16 election because it was kind of fascinating to watch. And then, you know, all the polls were going one way and then the election obviously went the, you know, t- to the, the Trump side. And then when we had the midterms in 18, I was just, I was glued to it. And then I was just pumped for 20 to, to get into all of this. And so this is fascinating. Obviously this is what we're going to talk about the majority of the podcast, but it's hard to not talk about at least a little bit. Uh, as you and I were what, like one one thirty last night texting back and forth about this. Yeah, completely <laughs> shit faced, <laughs> as I should have been. <laughs> it was just a, I eventually landed on CNN and that John King, I think his name was, who was working yeah. the touchscreen. Like, dude has like an encyclopedic knowledge of every county in the country. It's absurd. I'm almost like watching him. He's like. He's like, yeah, well, Maricopa County and uh, down here in Tucson area where we all know traditionally has gone Democrat. I'm just like nodding in agreement. Like, yeah, yeah. I totally knew that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, clearly. Yeah. Well, that's that's the thing, man. These these guys are fascinating. I was watching um, NBC. I started my the coverage on NBC and uh, Scott Todd. Nope, that's not his name. Chuck Todd. Chuck Todd down there. Their their whole thing. He could click a button and get the 2016. Yeah, 2016 results and click the same button, get 2012 and 2008. 
And so he's trending these states and these counties over the last, you know, three, four election cycles and watching them change over time. And like, okay, well, you know, uh, Trump gained votes here, but he's down in the total state. Where did he lose votes? And we're just like, you know, they're clicking on the counties. And then John King, you know, the same thing. Um, So I bounced between CNN and Fox. I'm not I'm not a Republican guy, but uh, I found it in the 2016 election. I was uh, we bounced. We were living with you, Tony. We were bouncing mostly been CNN and I think NBC. And it was like this rosy picture for the Democrats for a long time. Then all of a sudden it was just like chaos. Uh, And so I learned from that to watch both sides, you know, CNN and Fox. And you kind of get like, you know, the the truth is somewhere in between uh, the rosy pictures each are painting. Yeah, you from depending on which station you go on, it's like you're watching a completely different election by some of the narratives. It's it's ridiculous. If you go from CNN to Fox News, if you go you know straight to the extremes, you know Fox News was last night is basically declaring Trump the winner and not even acknowledging the fact that there's mail-in votes out there. And on CNN, John King's up on the touchscreen for 45 minutes trying to show a way that Biden can actually win. <laughs> like it's just. <laughs> It's completely one-sided, and they don't even like try to be partisan anymore. Like they just completely go for it, which I, I think just makes it even better. Because if you want, if you want it to be straight down the middle, you just don't go on either of those stations. Like everybody kind of knows the deal at this point. Yeah, yeah. Like if you want straight down the middle, you're talking about like Associated Press, USA Today. Like it's not, you know, NPR. It, but you know, CNN is kicked left. You know, NBC, CBS, ABC are. are middle to left and then fox obviously to the right but yeah it uh it's a lot of fun i love this time of year um that that everything that goes into the campaigns and the elections um obviously you know a lot of folks are divided social media has been has been crazy it takes a real toll on people um you know stress levels and anxiety and all of that so i don't want to make light of that but uh you know, I'm I'm one of those where it's like, yeah, like the national government, like yeah, it, it affects me, but it doesn't affect me that much. Uh, you know, the local elections are a lot more fascinating to me, and uh, you know, to to do the the Homer side here, you know, Mahoney County here, where where uh, in Austin Town, where a lot of us are from, you know, we saw a fascinating piece where uh, the Democrat undercard pretty much won in a landslide but Mahoney County went to went to Trump so a lot of folks splitting you know not, not going party line but splitting at the at the president level yeah super interesting it's uh, uh we talked about some stuff offline last night where we have our own theories as to why that could be but uh it's fascinating stuff once you get down into the actual psychology of what's going on uh at the national level and at the local level and how it can uh how they can really be thinking the same way, but it just takes a completely different, uh, complete, completely different stance depending on what level of government you're looking at. So, uh, definitely some cool stuff, some cool things. Every every four years we get to do, uh, we get to watch everybody's cool touch screens. I'm pretty jealous. I'm, may have looked up one or two today to try to find <laughs> I don't know why they don't put any ads up uh, for those touch screens on that day. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> yeah, you would think it'd be like we're gonna go to our blah 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 touch screen and like give the the data behind it because yeah, like I wouldn't mind. There's just a running ad at the bottom of the screen underneath the results, just you know, just plugging the TV that it is and where you can get it and 
Like, it's like a perfect spot for a Best Buy ad. They never take advantage of it. No. And I don't know why. They should. Yeah. <laughs> how many people today were with me looking up giant touchscreens? <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, man. All right, Tony. Enough politics. Let's get into some fantasy football. In our super cold open presented by Modine's 3. Go down to Modine's 3. Talk to Gail. Get yourself a Puppers logger. We start, Tony, with your game. Pretoria FC taking on Ben's or, or sorry Bob's Roethlisberger's. Uh, Kalen, so you and Kalen both had big week sevens. We didn't have a podcast last week, so we're not going to talk all about week seven. But there are a couple big storylines that came out of week seven, and they both are in this game. And the first one is Bob's Roethlisberger's was undefeated until last week, where they dropped the game. They're now at seven and one still sitting at first in that Einstein's division, comes into town, takes on your Pretoria FC, who last week scored 202 points, Tony. You broke the 200-point margin. How did that feel? Oh, great. I had to take the podcast off after it. I was so tired. It's uh, <laughs> it, Pretty much everybody went off for me, and I think I used up all my points last week because uh, this week was kind of underwhelming. Oh, yeah. So not a good follow-up performance by you, scoring almost 100 less points. Uh, so Kalen King's Bob's Roethlisberger's wins this one, 154 to 107.5. Kalen getting a great showing, 40 points out of DK Metcalf. Travis Kelsey gets 24.9. Aaron Rodgers, 22.5. On your side, Devontae Adams benefiting from that great Aaron Rodgers game. Gets 30.3, Lamar Jackson 14.8, and Alvin Kamara, a Melissa Groover favorite, gets 25.3. Unfortunately, Tony, the rest of your team doesn't do much there, uh, only scoring that 107.5. What went wrong? Well, this is the second time Kalen's got me. He's got my number this year, and I think both times it's been a matter of that Seattle game and it being a DK Metcalf game and not a Tyler Lockett game. They've they've become this year's Detroit Lions, where you know last year it was Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones trading off weeks uh, as far as who would go off and who would have complete duds of games, and this year it's the Seahawks. Uh, last week for me, when the team puts up 200 points, it's uh, Tyler Lockett puts up 50-plus points for me. An, an amazing finish. And this week, uh, he's very underutilized in the game plan. And it's all DK Metcalf for 12 catches. So uh, I think both times I've faced Kalen, that's been the way that's trended. It's been a DK Metcalf day. And that kind of sets the tone for the rest of the day. Uh, my other pass catchers didn't really uh, give me much help. Devontae Adams was, was great. But Calvin Ridley goes down early in the game where he, would, he had started off pretty well. Uh, Dallas Goddard in his first game back from injury was a little underutilized Wentz is starting to get used to not using the tight end I think so he's gonna need to be reincorporated there um and Lamar Jackson just turning the ball over left and right against Pittsburgh uh that that affects my score pretty negatively there as well because he would have been the 20 point range if it wasn't for the four turnovers so uh Kalen's team came to play uh DK, obviously, but Keenan Allen has been a monster ever since Justin Herbert has stepped in the starting QB job there in L.A. Uh, Travis Kelsey does what Travis Kelsey does, and, and Rodgers has been having a bit of a renaissance for him. So uh, another big game for Kalen. He moves to 7-1, and one, and I, I think he's got to feel really good with where he's at, uh, especially knocking off my team, which uh, – 
still my, my team is the highest scoring team in the league. So, I mean, to get the best of me twice, uh, I think he's got to be feeling pretty good. I got to think, uh, I think cocky Kalen might be coming back soon, Derek. I don't know. When we talked to him, he sounded so scared of of ruining whatever he had, whatever is going right for him this week, this year. He is so afraid of, of screwing it up. I think you're going to see humble Kalen the rest of the year. I think we're going to be like potentially in the championship game, and he's just going to be like, I can't believe I got here. Uh, you know, I just hope for a good game. <laughs> I don't think we're going to see cocky Kalen anymore. Well, let's hope, let's hope not. <laughs> let's hope he sheds that and just brings the old Kalen back, uh, especially now that I think he's got to feel pretty good. He's probably out of ACT territory. Yeah, seven wins. I mean, you know, if, if he loses out, um, seven wins is enough to probably put him in the playoffs. So that that's that is a good sign for Kalen. Uh, and and he's got to feel good about that, especially coming off a season where he was in the Toilet Bowl Championship uh, to really go from rags to riches this year and, and be sitting at the top of the Einstein division. That, that's a good place for him to be. Moving on here, we see Mike Engine Thrones 4-4, four and four, Bonnie McMurray go into town to take on Kevin Hulix 3-5, and five, jump the shark. I guess those records are post-game because Mike Engine Thrones Bonnie McMurray takes it 149 to 123.8 to move up to four and four. Kevin Hulick dropping to three and five. For Engine Throne, he gets a good game, a real good game out of Dalvin Cook at 48.6. Tyree Kill 25. Allen Robinson 20 to get him up to 149. On the other side, we see Russell Wilson with 28.7. Travis Fulgham, 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 doesn't matter. He gets 19.8. And Steelers D showing up with 13. Unfortunately, not enough in a week that he was hit pretty hard by COVID and injuries. Uh, A lot of his bench sitting down there was zeros. Uh, So a tough game for Kevin. uh, But Bonnie McMurray moving up to four and four, sitting third in the B-team division. Yeah, got a pretty, uh, you know, looking at his lineup, he got some average days from a lot of guys. Just Dalvin Cook puts up almost 50 points for him um, and takes him all the way up to 149. He's just riding that success. And uh, it's good to have somebody like that go off for you at, at the right time. And he gets Kevin, who I, I feel like every week we've kind of been saying his team's hamstrung by uh, COVID or by injuries or he's just – He's been hit, getting hit with a lot of bad luck this season. It just seems to keep continuing uh, while Mike's team has been in every game this season, and he's he's pulled out a couple of nice victories too. Um, Tyreek Hill has obviously been a mainstay for him. Allen Robinson ends up having a good game, but uh, when a player puts up almost 50 points for you, you don't normally come out with a loss that week. So a uh, big week for him, and uh, Kevin's got to be uh, – I'd be feeling the heat a little bit after after last year where he was scoring points nonstop. This year has been a bit of a grind, and uh, sitting there at three and five, uh, you're starting to look mid season here. You're starting to try and project who might be in those toilet bowl playoffs and who might be sneaking into the playoffs. He's going to be right there on the border, I think. Yeah, and so if the if the season ended today, and we were talking, you know, getting ready for playoffs, this this game would have set the difference there engine throne is the the last team in that sixth seed 
in the playoffs and Hulix jumped the shark would be first in to the toilet bowl playoffs. So, you know, th- this game has potentially, you know, long-term implications for earliest season long implications, because these are the games that you have to win to edge out, you know, a team like Bonnie McMurray, a team like jump the chart, they're not likely going to have too great a success against a team like Bob's Roethlisberger's or, you know, leave it to Beasley. But these are the games that you have to win if you want to get in the playoffs and engine Thrones team showed up and Kevin's just unfortunately did not. Uh, but yeah, this, this has some major playoff implication behind it. Yeah. A win here almost counts as two. That's a, a, a big game with, with two teams that are going to be right there neck and neck at the end of the season. So you get a head-to-head victory like that. That definitely pays off. So big win for Mike this week. Um, he gets the four and four right at 500. And uh, like I said, he's he's been in every game. Uh, hasn't really had any really, really poor weeks that I can remember. So um, through the first half of the season, I think he's uh, acquitted himself pretty well in his inaugural season in our league and uh, anxious to see how he finishes out the campaign. Moving on here, Charlie Thurber's Blue Cat Lodge goes into town to take on Tim Taft's Leave It to Beasley. And Taft gets the win here, 111.8 to 89.3. Tim moves on to 6-2, and two, Charlie 5-3. and three. Um, So that was a that was a five and two matchup for those guys. And Charlie, unfortunately, he's struggling here scoring points uh, and doesn't doesn't break that 90 mark. Really getting very poor showings from DeAndre Swift only gets 5.3. Kareem Hunt only gets 9.3 against the Raiders. We would have thought, especially with how much wind was going on, that that he would have had some some more opportunity there or at least more more points. Henry Ruggs. Gets him 2.9, Ronald Jones 6.6. On the other side, a pretty good day for Tim, still a little low uh, for a team that often outscores their, his projection. He underscored it, but it was still enough. Josh Allen gets him 12, significantly under his 20.1 projection. Cooper Cup, though, outperforms and gets him 22. Colts defense outperforms against Detroit and gets him 15. So so Tim sitting pretty good there, second in the Einstein's division, just behind Bob's Roethlisberger's, and only only you know one game back. That's a big win for Tim because his guys didn't really have their best stuff this week, and he still manages to, to snake out a victory there uh, with a low-scoring uh, showing. So uh, best teams in our league are able to win games on their – on their down weeks. And uh, that's, that's a big one for him there. Didn't get the best stuff from Josh Allen this week. Uh, Cooper cup shows up for him. As you, as you mentioned, T Higgins has a pretty good showing, but uh, Darren Waller was pretty underwhelming in a game uh, against the, the Browns who are usually pretty prone to giving up a lot of tight end yards. I think he expected a pretty good showing from him, even with the conditions and it didn't really happen. Um, but he's able to get just enough to edge out Charlie. Who's, uh, looking at his roster right now, uh, Charlie's hoarding quarterbacks. <laughs> he's got Teddy. <laughs> he's got Kyler Murray. He's got Cam Newton. And uh, he uh, had to survive the Kyler Murray bye week and didn't quite make it with uh, with Teddy there. Though I, I do like the idea of playing Teddy against the Falcons. That That is a matchup that typically pays off for you. So I can't fault him too much there. Uh, he might want to cut a QB going into this week. Uh, his He's still having to deal with that Michael Thomas injury. Hasn't gotten him back yet. Uh, but the fact he's sitting there five and three, even though I think he's had quite a few low scoring games that he's been able to, to just eke out victories in. 
Um, he's sitting pretty good for a team that uh, is missing its best player and um, is kind of hit or miss with the number of points he's scoring on a week-to-week basis. So uh, I think I think he's got to feel pretty good with where he's at uh, despite his showing this past week. Moving on here to the a B team matchup. Vince Gorgonzola's Scott's Tots dismantles Dave Peschian's Little Sebastian's 122.8 to 105.5. Dismantle may have been a strong word there, but uh, this game was projected to be a blowout, and it, it certainly was. Patrick Mahomes shows up 36.6. Eagles defense shows up, Tony, with 21 against that struggling Dallas Cowboy team. Uh, Tyler Boyd gets him 19.6. But I'll tell you, this, the rest of his team struggled. Uh, George Kittle uh, gets him 5.9. And Kittle got injured, if, I don't, if I'm not mistaken, there yep. Uh, yep, in that game. So uh, Kittle only gets him 5.9 before he goes out. But it's enough to take out. To take out Dave there, he gets 21 with Naheem Hines and 22 with Nicole Hardman, uh, 19.6 out of Drew Brees. So Dave does outperform his projection projected score of 96.8, but not enough, not anywhere near enough to take out Scott's Tots, uh, who sits at first in that B team division at five and three. Yeah, Dave has to deal with another big injury to Kenny Galladay early in that game. He doesn't even get any catches, and it's going to be interesting to see how long he's going to be out. That's the number one receiver that he traded for with Steve as a part of that Mike Davis deal. Uh, So it's going to be pretty big for him because in a roster that is infamously fairly thin uh, to lose a player of Galladay's caliber for uh, any any length of time is going to be something that's going to be tough to stomach for him. Uh, Mike Davis gets an 8.7 point uh, showing uh, is really the the first low scoring affair he's had. And it's probably going to be one of the last uh, showings that he's going to have here. Christian McCaffrey is now uh, back at it this week against the chiefs. So that for Dave, it's good to have that reinforcement coming back in the lineup. You got DeAndre Hopkins coming back off by, so there's some help on the way, but that Galladay injury is going to be something that we're going to need to watch closely. And his boy sitting there on the bench, Matthew Stafford, just got put in COVID protocol today too, so he's not going to be available next week, even if he wanted to use him. On the other side of the docket, uh, got to keep an eye on that George Kittle injury for Vince. That's one of his top players. It's the second time this year that he's gotten hurt. You got to start wondering if that's just going to define his season there in San Fran, where everybody seemingly is getting injured. And uh, they, they also had a COVID outbreak today there at that facility. So, uh, but as long as Patrick Mahomes is scoring like this 36 points, uh, he's going to be in every game. He's going to have a chance to win every game. So he, he survives that kind of underwhelming performance from a lot of his guys because his quarterback just shows up and did what he spent 29 bucks on him for to do. So uh, Vince is sitting there right now at five and three. He had a rough start to the season here uh, with a target on his back, but uh, he's really turned it on as of late. Moving on to our last game, and boy, was this a tough one to watch, Tony. Tyler Kerr's saved by LaBelle, loses a close one to Steve Groover's threat level midnight. Groover takes at 94.9 to 92.9. Uh, 
Uh, you know, about a two-point split here. Ty, once again, was about to play a, a guy who was who was not going to, to be active. Um, and and it it took some some outside interference to get his lineup straight. Uh, and unfortunately, he he made a, a bad call with Tyler Higby there at tight end, who, I mean, Higby had one good game, and the rest of it has been eh, with Gronk on the bench, who has scored double digits the last three or four weeks. And so that that was definitely the, you know, Gronk scores 14 on the bench, while Tyler Higby gets 3.4 active. So that was the difference there. Tom Brady puts up 19 for Ty gets 13 out of Wayne Goleman and 28 out of Robert Woods, uh, but not enough as, uh, as Groover puts up 21.2 out of Justin Herbert, who's having himself a nice season so far. Giovanni Bernard adds 22 Julio Jones adds 20.7 and everybody else putting up single digits in a fairly disappointing showing from Groover. Yeah, if Ty just gets a, a zero-point outing from the 49ers defense, he ends up winning this game <laughs> by a close margin. <laughs> That's how slim the, the margin was here for him. But uh, he, Steve was ripe to be taken advantage of this week, and Ty isn't able to do it. Uh, so got to feel pretty bad about that. I thought this was going to be the week that he got off the schneid and finally got his first W because it, it was starting to look that way, especially once he finally plugged in that hole in his lineup. On Sunday, I, I thought for sure Steve was going down. Uh, Steve is, I think this is the third time this season he started Deontay Johnson and he's failed to make it through the game. He's turned into the Deshaun Jackson of the AFC. Um, and the rest of his team is just not performing consistently enough for him to cover for guys going down mid game like that. And uh, he, this, this past week, he gets three guys putting up 20 point outings and uh, everybody else is performing pretty poorly. So, uh, Steve's kind of in the same spot he's been all season long where he's kind of looking every week trying to find where the points are going to be coming from because I don't think he feels very, very strongly about anyone being super consistent in that lineup. So I think uh, he's still got some things to work on, but it, it's good for him to get a victory like this in a week where his team really didn't perform well at all. And uh, on the other side, Ty, it's uh, – We've never had anyone in this league go through a season winless. Uh, you think this is going to be the first time, Derek? Oh, man, I don't know. I, maybe, maybe. Ty's come close a couple times. And I'm, I'm kind of waiting for that moment where Ty like starts paying attention again. Because there's a few games here that were very winnable. You know, this league... You have a couple teams at the top, and then everybody else, like any given week, somebody doesn't even score 100. And and part of that is COVID. Part of that are injuries. I don't know. 2020 is a weird year. But Ty could win a, a lot of these games if you pay attention. So all it takes is one week where he logs in on Sunday morning and goes, oh, Grog's projected for a lot more than Tyler Higby. Let me make that switch. And he wins. So I don't think he goes winless because I think by – Dumb luck, if nothing else, he'll he'll sneak out a victory. My hope and what I would absolutely love, and we talked about this offline, is that if if that win comes in in the toilet bowl playoffs, like if he's sitting there in the toilet bowl championship and just you know he's gotten decimated all year, 
and, and just pulls out like a New York Giants versus the versus the Patriots and just like, oh, hey, I'm going to turn it on this week and, and wins and somebody else is taking the ACT like that would just be so beautiful to me. And, and I would I would just love that. <laughs> Hands down, greatest upset in league history. That would be. <laughs> oh, my God, it would be a podcast for the ages the next week. <laughs> I, I, it would be amazing because like that, that person going up against, you're like, man, I'm in the toilet bowl championship. This sucks, but I'm going up against Ty who hasn't won all year. Like you start, you start feeling a little good about it. And then, you know, your couple dudes get hurt or something like that, or, you know, get like a last minute COVID issue. And all of a sudden you're just like, "Uh Oh, (laughs) (laughs) you just want to watch the range of emotions coming from that, that player. As the weekend progresses and he it starts to set in that he's gonna lose, like yeah, you can, you can almost like see his tears. Like it, oh, it, it would make such a great episode next week. I'm, I'm kind of hoping it happens. Oh, it's gonna be great. All right, that'll do it for our super cold cold open presented by Mo Dean's Three Letter Kenny's premier home for puppers locker. Tony, let's move on to some NFL news, and you know I want to talk about it, Tony. You know I've been looking forward to this moment for two seasons, Tony. Your boy, A.B., Antonio Brown, is back. He is on the roster for the Tampa Bay Bucks, and Tony, I'm hearing that he may be playing this week. He is playing this week, Derek. That is going to happen. He's going to fill in for an injured Chris Godwin, and uh, you know he's he's Tom Brady's boy now. He's living in his house. Uh, those are the two guys that Brady really worked to get down there to Tampa with him was Gronk and AB, and he got his wishes. So, in an offense that is uh, starting to to click when those guys are healthy, you get to add a weapon like AB in there. Uh, it could be deadly, and especially on the, on the fantasy football side. But obviously, the questions with AB have never been on the field. Uh, do you think he actually makes it through this entire season? That's the question. I, I think it's a valid question, and and I you know you need a crystal ball to really answer it. But I think it's the right situation. He has Tom Brady, who's a guy that that at least if you pay attention to AB's social media. He, he respects. He respects Tom Brady, I think, more than anybody else that he has been associated with. Bruce Arians is a is a coach that demands respect, and he has that. And he's a, he's a no-bullshit guy. So I, I think if there is a situation in which Antonio Brown is successful, it was going to be in New England, and it's going to be in Tampa Bay. Um, New England, he was having the off the field issues. They weren't going to deal with it. They dropped him, but it didn't sound like it was issues, you know, on the field in the, you know, in the facility. It was more, you know, what was going on in the the legal side of things. You know, that is all hopefully behind him, and and now he's ready to come in. I think it's a very stable organization that can can support him. Um, he's a he's a appears to have a lot of, you know, um, needs from a, a team support standpoint. So I think this is the right situation. He's under Tom Brady's roof. He's going to keep tabs on him. And it's pretty much, you know, we haven't heard of Antonio Brown in a long time. And that's, to his credit, staying out of trouble, which was really hard for him to do, 
you know, this time last year. So I, I, I think Tony, I, I, like you said, on the field issues have never been the problem. We'll see how, how involved he gets this week. I think it, if nothing else, he's going to pull some coverage his way. You know, hey, Antonio, just just run deep, right? <laughs> just run fades. If you're open, I'll toss it. If not, whatever. Um, but I, I think this is the right situation for him. Yeah, it's going to be interesting as they get later on in the season. They have some big moments uh, where they may have two tight ends on the field, so only two receivers. How he's going to react if he's not one of those receivers on the field with uh, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Uh, he's never really had to share the work the way he's going to have to in Tampa. So that's going to be something else to keep tabs on. But uh, hopefully for his sake, he's done with the the ridiculousness and that uh, he's actually got his head on straight this time around because you know, I think I think he's got to realize this is his last chance in the league. You know, Tom Brady's really the only guy out there trumpeting for him at this point. Uh, if he lets Tom down, I can't imagine that phone is going to ring again for him, regardless of how talented he is. So, uh, I'm with you. I, I think this is a good situation for him to be in, living with Brady. And uh, he's got a team that's going to be successful. You know, any anytime you're winning, I think that kind of helps things along as well. Uh, so he's he's got to take advantage of this opportunity and not blow it because this is this one's big. But if he's at the top of his game and the rest of those uh, talents get healthy there for Tampa – it's going to be hard to see anybody beating them come playoff time, especially the way that defense has a tendency to play. Yeah, I think Antonio Brown would have been served a pretty good slice of humble pie, whether he ate it or not, we don't know. But, you know, you you have a situation where you you don't play in 2019 and the league goes on without you. And after a couple weeks, nobody mentions Antonio Brown anymore. He pays attention to that. He knows. And so I think at this point he comes in and he realizes if he didn't before, hey, I'm just a spoke on the wheel. And if I'm not here, nobody cries for me. You know, so like you said, Tom Brady's the only guy that really is is calling him up because he was available to be picked up all year and wasn't until very recently. So. That was Tom Brady making a pitch. I'm sure he had to sell some people on it that weren't probably stoked about bringing him in because they're afraid to get the Antonio Brown of last August. But if if you can kind of capture whatever t- Antonio Brown can do on the field and leave behind all the other crap, this guy can be amazing for you and can can put you in a really, really nice position. So I'm excited to see what happens here. Uh, you know, you're kind of getting a lot of my, my you know, guys I like to pay attention to on one team. So uh, my fandom for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is at an all-time high right now. So how many jerseys have you ordered already? That's the real question. Oh, there's four. Yeah, there's four on the way. Uh, you know, I, I got the Brady, the Gronk, the Antonio Brown, and, uh, you know, the old uh, Mike Allstott just to, you know, show that OG side that uh <laughs> well, I, I can definitely appreciate the all-star one <laughs> big big number 40 oh yeah uh-huh. oh yeah i was uh i was a big mike all-star fan back in the day when uh, it was at the 2002 super bowl when it was uh buccaneers and raiders uh it sounds about right time wise yeah yeah i was uh i was a big fan of the buccaneers at that point with what was it brad johnson was the quarterback yeah. Yeah. with that stupid looking face mask 
Yeah, he was he was the guy handing off as yeah. the defense <laughs> destroyed people. <laughs> oh, Derek Brooks is just unbelievable. But yeah, so the the Buccaneers of this year are are a lot of fun to watch, and I think I think with adding Antonio Brown there, they get they just get better. Yeah, Tony, hopefully, and, does, hopefully, doesn't fail just for the simple fact that. We don't have to talk about this again. <laughs> if he did, if he just stays on the field and does what he needs to do, we don't have to do an Antonio Brown segment again. I would be the happiest guy in the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we'll see how he does for for Mike Engine throwing. I guess the question is, if you're Mike, do you play him this week? That is a good question. Because they asked Bruce Arians how many plays he he would play, and he said uh, maybe ten and maybe thirty five. I don't think it's going to be sixty. Is kind of what he said. So it, it's really up in the air as far as how much he'll be on the field. Uh, I, I paid a, a little more attention to the receivers this past week uh, in their game against the Giants on Monday night, and they really rotate those receivers quite a bit. And I, it wouldn't surprise me at first game in, they just kind of make him part of that rotation with uh, Scotty Miller and Jalen Mickens and all the other uh, more no name guys that they have. Uh, rolling in there as as the second and third receiver wouldn't shock me if they just make him part of that rotation to start with and to kind of build him up as the weeks go. So that's going to be a really interesting decision uh, for Mike to make there. Do you trust him enough to play him this week? Uh, knowing that if he gets 30 snaps, he could put up 150 yards and a touchdown and uh, maybe win you the week for you. Or if he puts up 10 snaps and gets one catch for eight yards, uh, you're going to be in rough shape. Right. Yeah. It, it's a, I'm, I'm pulling up here, not, not to jump too far ahead, but what, what Mike has looked going on this week in his roster, if he's going to play Antonio Brown and uh, all my presidential election refreshes are slowing me down here a bit. But, yeah, it looks like for in the wide receiver slot, he has Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, Allen Robinson in the flex, Antonio Brown projected 11. So if, if you're going by straight projections, no. Um, and I I wouldn't trust him at this point. Just first game back, he took he pretty much didn't play most, if not, you know, what, what, two, one or two games last year he played. So... We need to see what he can do, how he's going to be incorporated. So I wouldn't play him yet, but I would. Uh, I think it's a definitely a good pickup. And I, I, we mentioned it on the show that this would be a good, good time to pick up an Antonio Brown, especially if you were struggling at wide receiver. If nothing else, and and I should mention, Mike is not struggling at wide receiver. He has uh, Terry McLaurin on the bench as well. So you know he, he's he's got a pretty good receiving core, but it's a good trade piece because he didn't have to pay anything to get Antonio Brown so he has some some pieces to trade with him Antonio Brown becomes the guy in Tampa then you keep him and you get rid of you know Tyreek Hill or Stephon Diggs or Allen Robinson or uh, Terry McLaurin like uh, any of them you're you're sitting there with with really good all well you have three top 10 wide receivers and McLaurin's ranked four ranked 17 so you have (laughs) <laughs> you have three top 20 receivers, you know, ready to go. Uh, I'm sorry, four. Four top 20 receivers ready to go. So uh, I imagine look look to Mike to trade somebody from that receiving core for uh, 
for uh, another piece as he prepares for playoffs. And that message was specifically for Dave, who we told point blank, <laughs> go get Antonio Brown, and he didn't listen. So, <laughs> yeah. Hope you're listening, Dave. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. Tell me what else you want to talk about. Oh, man. Not, not COVID. Uh, no. Not Matthew Stafford. Not, uh, what are some of the other things we just love talking about? (laughs) (laughs) We're getting lazy. I think those are the big three. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we're sitting at like 40 minutes, so we can probably just jump right in to the conference call presented by McLaren's Pub. Tony, week nine. We only have five weeks to go. It is time to start gearing up for the playoffs. And, Tony, that is what you will be doing this week as your Pretoria FC goes into town to take on Dave Pestians, the Little Sebastians. You are projected to take this one 137-91. to 91. Giant game out of Devontae Adams projected at 23, Tyler Lockett at 20, Alvin Kamara at 22, and Lamar Jackson at 19. They're expected to take your team to victory. On the other side, Dave has Drew Brees, 16.9, DeAndre Hopkins at 18. Uh, Otherwise, just kind of mediocre projections for everyone else. Christian McCaffrey, though, looking to come back. Projected at 21.5 going up against Kansas City. So we'll see how McCaffrey looks in this first game back. Um, and then, you know, what what can he do? And likely we'll take that, you know, Mike Davis's spot there. So expect that projection to rise a bit, looking more like a 111-112, uh, assuming that Dave goes with that projection and puts McCaffrey in. So I will uh, I will pick you, Tony. I don't think Dave has enough. You know, Christian McCaffrey coming in off that injury. We'll see how he does. I don't think it's going to be enough, though. And there's just way too much firepower on your team. I think you will be uh, sitting pretty this time next week as, uh, as I, I think you'll do even better than that. I think you'll be up in the 150 range. Uh, how are you feeling going into this game? Uh, I feel like they got to perform better than they did last week with my 107 point showing. So uh, I feel like there's going to be some, uh, a little bit of positive regression there. Um, but I never feel real good going up against Dave with a healthy Christian McCaffrey either. That always gives me a little bit of anxiety going into the week. So uh, I feel good, but um, a, a little on edge because uh, if he comes in and puts up 30 plus points, uh, it's going to be tough sledding for my team. Moving on into a B-team division matchup. The 4-4 four and four, uh, Bonnie McMurray goes in to take on the 3-5 and five threat level midnight. Uh, Engine Thrones Bonnie McMurray expected to get this win 138.3 to Groover's 118.2. Mike projected to get good ga- a good game out of Deshaun Watson at 22. Dalvin Cook at 23. Uh, looking down to his bench here, uh, we already talked about Antonio Brown as a possibility. Terry McLaurin as a possibility. He's projected 15.6. Uh, 
uh, but Tyreek Hill, 16.3, would be the lowest uh, projected wide receiver. So probably not going with any of those guys. On the other side there, Groover expected to get another good game out of Justin Herbert, 22, going up against Las Vegas. Joshua Kelly running back, 9.3. But it looks – and this is the week that – Groover's getting hit hard with buys and uh, injuries. So a rough week for Groover here, and I think it's going to show. I'm going to go with the projection here and go with Bonnie McMurray. Uh, and this this is another game, Tony, that can have major playoff implications. Both teams in the B-team division. Groover, if he can get up to 4-5, and five, he's going to be tied with, with Mike there, who would also be at 4-5, and five, and this will be a nice playoff battle. But if Mike gets his victory and goes up to five and four, Gruber goes down to three and six. It's going to be hard to flip that season around for Steve. So, Tony, where are you at on this game? I'm going to have to agree, uh, Derek. I I think it's going to be a Bonnie McMurray day. Just looking at Steve's lineup right now, uh, he's going to be really dependent on some Chargers players, Justin Herbert and Joshua Kelly. Uh, Probably not. Kelly's probably not the type of running back he really wants to go with this week. He's got him and James Robinson. Robinson's been pretty strong, but this is going to be their first start without Gardner Minshew at at QB, who, uh, while he's not the greatest, is probably a lot better than Jake Luton is going to be uh, going up against the Texans. They can be taken out of the running game real fast in that game. Uh, Just don't really love a lot of the matchups for Steve. Not sure how he can trust Deontay Johnson in his lineup again uh, a week after him failing to make it through another game. And, uh, on the other side of the coin, Mike's got Deshaun Watson against Jacksonville coming off a bye, uh, who should put up a lot of points. Dalvin Cook gets Detroit a week after putting up a near 50-point showing. Uh, that could easily be another 20, 30 points right there. Uh, and even Antonio Gibson against the Giants coming off a bye, I, I think, is a good matchup. So I'm going to have to go Bonnie McMurray. I think he gets above 500 this week with a big win over Steve. All right, moving on to a best versus worst in the Einstein's division. This is a week of divisional matchups here, Tony. We see Tyler Kerr's 0-8, saved by LaBelle, going into town to take on 7-1, Bob's Rothless Burgers. No surprise here. Kalen projected to win this one, 123.8 to 82.1. Uh, it's going to be a tough week here for Ty. He's got the Rams on bye week, which currently Tyler Higby and Robert Woods are in his lineup. So assuming, and it's not a safe assumption to make, that Tyler updates his lineup, he'll get uh, Rob Gronkowski in there, projected 10.7, which takes that up to about 93. And then wide receiver, I'm guessing that's the flex spot. So he might put in David Johnson there. He's projected 16.4. Or if he sticks with a receiver, maybe Darius Slayton projected at 11. So this game gets a little bit closer. Uh, He goes from, you know, projected 82 to projected, you know, 105-ish but still is going to be projected to lose then uh, just by a little bit less. He is expected to get 22 out of Tom Brady going up against New Orleans. On the other side, K 
Kalen projected in the teens for pretty much everybody except the Saints defense, uh, and his kicker is going to be on by. So we'll see what he does there, but it's a kicker, so we don't expect too much out of them. So uh, I, I've got, I think it's one's a, a fairly obvious one here. I'm going Kalen on this, although it would be hilarious if this is the one that Tyler wins, but I don't think it happens, Tony. I'm going Kalen. Uh, I'm going to assume you are too. I, I agree with you on all counts. A, it would be hilarious if this is uh, the game that Tosh finally wins, and B, I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> Just uh, He's got all his eggs in the Buccaneers basket, and uh, the, the chance that all of them go off on the same day is probably slim. And uh, obviously you have to rely on him to, uh, you know, patch those holes in the lineup by game day and make the right call as far as who he's putting in there. Uh, for the for the game and well while there's some some matchups on the other side of the coin for Kalen that I don't love I mean if he had another running back on the roster I'd say bench Zeke this week uh going up against Pittsburgh that is a, a nightmare matchup for yeah uh, I don't I don't know if Garrett Gilbert or Cooper Rush is going to be the quarterback for Dallas but either way it's not going to be good going up against the, that Steelers defense uh, but Rodgers should be able to put up a couple touchdowns on the Niners, who are completely depleted by injuries and COVID right now. Uh, Josh Jacobs should put up another good game against the Chargers. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be DK Metcalf week. Uh, it, it might be more of a locket week with uh, Metcalf going up against Tredavious White. But uh, either way, I think Kalen gets enough to get the job done this week. Uh, even though I, I think we could we could all say that come next week's podcast it would be the greatest story of the season if if ty got his first win i would love it i think it'd be great i want to have kaylin and ty on at the same time and uh because this is our i forget what we named it last year uh but this is our columbus rivalry the rumpus, the rumpus, and, columbus. rumpus, <laughs> rumpus and columbus that's right <laughs> Oh, cause you forget that name. <laughs> oh, well, I was like, well, cause I, I, we were coming up with a couple different names, and like I remember, like there was something like with Short North and and all of that, Rumpus and Columbus. Yes. Oh, that's great. So yeah, the, this is the Rumpus and Columbus. I don't. <laughs> this is gonna be so lopsided. It's not even gonna be fun. <laughs> Moving on, uh, in the Einstein's division, we have Kevin Hulix three and five jump the shark. Taking on Tim Taft, six and two, leave it to Beasley, and uh, kind of surprising here. Kevin projected to take this one, one thirty four to one eighteen. Uh, Tim's team has has, I mean, I don't think struggles the right word, but hasn't been scoring like he has in the past. Uh, he's expected twenty five out of Josh Allen. Uh, unfortunately, on the other side with Kevin, so is Russell Wilson. So it's kind of a deadlock there. There's only one green check mark for for Tim, and that's Darren Waller, the tight end out of uh, out of the Raiders. There projected at 16.5, uh, and then looking down at his bench, I don't see anybody that is really jumping off the chart there. So a a bunch of guys in, in double digits here for Tim, but nobody really standing out. On the other side for Kevin. Again, I mentioned Russell Wilson at 25, Derrick Henry at 20, James Conner at 20, uh, all projected there. And dipping down into his bench, 
maybe I don't think he, I think he sticks with this roster here at the 134. So I think that's the right number. His average is 130, so he's pretty much right going to be at projection is where I'm going with it. But you know what? I believe in Tim Tass. Leave it to Beasley. So I'm going to project the upset here. I think Kevin goes down to three and six, and Tim moves on to seven and two, uh, essentially locking his playoff spot. Uh, Tony, do you think Tim pulls off the upset, or do you think Kevin takes care of business? Uh, it just hit me, Derek. I'm looking at Tim's lineup. Uh, we, we mentioned earlier how uh, he's he's been putting up less points per week. I'm looking at the roster, and it's just stacked with Buffalo Bills. And you look at the the first couple weeks of the season, the Bills were putting up points like crazy. And the last couple weeks, that offense has kind of come back down to earth, and so have Tim's numbers. So I think we may have found the key on that one. (laughs) And uh, they're embroiled in a big matchup against the Seahawks this week who are putting up points on everybody with that passing game. Um, and it's going to come down to which of these guys are on the right side of the coin with uh, Kevin having Russell Wilson over there slinging it against the Bills and uh, Tim having his fleet of Bills going up against the Seahawks, whose defense has been pretty poor this season. Um, I I think I I like the matchups for for Tim there, but I'm not sure I like all three of them to have really good matchups. It's uh, As far as Singletary and Beasley go, it's probably going to be one of them getting a lot and then the other not so much um and you have juju going up against dallas which is a pretty good matchup Gurley going up against the broncos i don't particularly love that matchup uh but Gurley does have the the ability to fall in the end zone at any any given time at the goal line and, and uh, rectify his day uh, but Derrick Henry gets to go against the Bears defense who hasn't been stopping the run very well. And Tennessee uh, coming off two straight losses. I think they're going to come ready to play this next week. And he's got James Conner and Chase Claypool going up against Dallas, who that defense is completely hapless. So I think I'm going to differ with you on this one. I think I'm going to take jump the shark. He's had a lot of bad luck, but I think he gets the bounces this week uh, to get himself to four and five. I'm trying to find any stats to back this up, but ESPN's dropping a line here. I clicked on Josh Allen. Uh, uh, big passing production could come this week with Seattle among the most generous generous pass defenses in league history, Tony. Not just of this <laughs> current season, league history. Uh, so the... ESPN projecting a uh, a pretty good game here from from Josh Allen uh, and safety Jamal Williams listed as limited in Wednesday's practice. Um, so they're saying he's going to be good to go, but they have uh, given up given up a lot of points. So we'll see. It's going to like you said though, like when you have three Buffalo Bills on your roster, it all comes down to how does Buffalo do, um, and. and yeah, that, that's, that's a lot of eggs. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of eggs to put in the buffalo basket. Yeah. <laughs> but I think they do it. I like it. Moving on to our sacred heart game of the week. We go back to the B team, and we go to the number one and two teams in that B team division. Our intern, Vince Gorgonzola's Scott's Tots, takes on Charlie Thurber's Blue Cat Lodge. Both teams sitting at five and three. 
So this one has some uh, some playoff implications, some seeding op- uh, some seeding. Uh, I lost the word. I just used the word implication. Thank you. Um, has some. <laughs> this game has playoff implication. This game has seeding implication, and they are currently projected in a deadlock. Charlie Thurber projected at 118. Vince Gorgonzola projected 115. Right now, as of Wednesday night, it's Wednesday, right? Yeah, Wednesday night, Charlie has Kyler Murray in at quarterback. He also has Cam Newton on the bench at quarterback. Right now, Kyler Murray projected for more and overall has done better throughout this season. He's the number three ranked quarterback. He's projected 23.1. Chase Edmonds out of Arizona projected at 17.4. Everybody else pretty much in the double digits to get him to 118. On the other side, Vince has Patrick Mahomes at 23. Uh, And then everybody else, yeah, just kind of in there. Adam Thielen projected 15.7. Marvin Jones projected at 14. Uh, Melvin Gordon, 13.4. So we'll see how this one comes out. This is going to be a fun one to watch. I think this one's going to come down to the wire. And I'm going to go with Scott's Tots. I'm going to go with Vince on this one. I'm going to believe in our intern. He did a great job in week six. Uh, Him and Dave did an amazing job on this podcast. So I'm going to return the favor of covering the episode. And I'm going to pick you, Vince. Uh, don't let me down, or you might be fired. Uh, so Vince Gorgonzola takes this one. Tony. Well, this is a big matchup at the top of the B team. Winner gets to to stay there in first place. And, uh, you know, with the playoffs right around the corner, it couldn't loom any larger right now. You're going to start seeing uh, those X's go up in the standings here in the next couple of weeks for teams locking in playoff spots. So this is a huge step towards that. Um, I like a lot of the matchups on both sides here. Uh, one that I'm not as big on, on Charlie's side, uh, Kyler Murray and Chase Edmonds of the uh, the Cardinals going against Miami. The Miami defense has actually been pretty solid for the last couple of weeks. They completely dismantled the Rams last week at home. Uh, Tua, in, in his first start in that uh, Dolphins offense, ended up putting up, I think, 180 yards of offense the entire game. Ended up winning by a couple touchdowns because of the defense and special teams just just destroyed them. So I'm not sure Miami is quite the pushover defensively that uh, ESPN's fantasy football guys here have projected. Uh, DeAndre Swift, you never really know what you're getting from the, de- from the Detroit running backs because Matt Patricia is – uh, his usage of running backs is nothing short of mind-boggling. Uh, Mike Evans gets to go up against Marshawn Lattimore in uh, in New Orleans there, and that is a matchup that hasn't really fared too well for him in the past. Uh, I, I like Charlie's roster. I like what he's done with it, but I just don't think this is the week for him. I don't love a lot of the matchups. Patrick Mahomes on Vince's side gets to go up against the Carolina secondary that is uh, extremely young. Uh, he should be able to have his way with them. Melvin Gordon goes up against the Falcons defense. He could be good for a touchdown or two. Uh, Damian Harris against the Jets. Uh, 
there's some really good matchups there. I think Adam Thielen gets back on track against the Lions too. So I'm going to have to agree with you. Uh, I, and this is not just a plug just because he uh, filled in for us like, like you did, Derek. I'm, I'm actually using football reasons <laughs> to give Vince the nod here, but I think he wins and I think he takes sole possession of first place next week. <laughs> well, that felt like it was a little personal and I hurt a little bit. It always is. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> All right, that'll do it for our conference call presented by McLaren's Pub. Tony, before we we take it out of this episode, I do want to talk about uh, the intern takeover episode, which I thought was a huge success. Uh, so thank you to Dave and Vince for covering week six. We kind of lost it with not having a podcast last week, but uh, our interns showed up and they did a they did a good job, Tony. They've been listening to us over the last season. Yeah, they did a great job, and uh, they, they kept referencing not having a lot of football knowledge to back them up, but uh, I don't think you could really tell being a listener. I, I thought they did a really good job and gave you a lot of good insight. Uh, couldn't couldn't pronounce Tua's last name worth a damn, but outside of that, <laughs> uh, I, I thought they did a really good job, and uh, it's good to know we have them uh, backstopping us in case anything uh, comes up in the busyness of life. Uh, you got two guys there that can step in and really not miss a beat at all. Yeah. And you know, Hey, Terry Bradshaw can't pronounce to his last name either. So I guess it's not the end of the world. Uh, but Tony, I want to know, (laughs) (laughs) I want to know what you thought of, uh, you know, they took some liberties and started doing some impressions. Uh, I want to know what you thought there, Tony. Uh, not, not bad. Not bad. Uh, I, I thought mine was a little weak. They just kind of just went deep with the voice. I thought they'd come with a little more content to it. So maybe next time they do, uh, go, go a little deeper with, with the impersonation. But, uh, uh, I, I thought, I thought yours was pretty good. Uh, yeah. I, I liked them taking the shots. I thought that was a good look. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, listen, we are all about self-deprecating humor. Uh, you know, it, it was a ballsy move by the interns to, to do that. But listen, we're good sports here at the Frosty and Perenny podcast, and I don't know what really our repercussion would be against them, even if we wanted to. I mean, we can't dock their pay. Uh, we can't like not have them come into work. Uh, we can we can try to fire them, but at the end of the day, we don't have our shit together enough to not you know accept the help. So it pretty much was a uh, a low risk, high reward situation for the interns. I think they pulled it off. Uh, I had a good chuckle at uh, at Vince's impression of me. I thought, yeah, Dave Dave's leaves a little bit to be desired. Uh, you can't just do a deep voice and call it Tony. It just doesn't doesn't count. <laughs> yeah, t- try a little harder next time, Dave. Come 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 with some other stuff with the deep voice. Just just add it in, and uh, I think you think you come up with uh, some pretty good impressions overall. <laughs> That'll do it for another episode of the Frosty and Perenni podcast. We appreciate you listening wherever you're listening. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and Spotify. Thank you to Dave Peschen and Vince Gorgonzola for covering us week six. And for all you do as interns, Vince, play us out.